0: Gambling program on behalf of PGF Services with Andrew Brown, counselor and health promoter, Josh, and myself, Graham. Welcome, guys. Good to see you here.
1: See you. Good to be here.
0: And we've all escaped COVID except
1: for Josh. So far, Judge Ruther.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, managed to um, contract that a couple of weeks ago from um, my sister. blame her nice Mm -hmm. present she doesn't have to give anything for my birthday now but um, (laughs) yeah yeah, as i was just saying to to both of you before we were recording this the the fatigue is 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 quite something i mean i'm a relatively young relatively healthy person and i at the moment i have to say i feel 10 years older just Mm. just the um fatigue And, and so it might be inevitable for most of us to catch it, but I would say, if nothing else, keep trying to to, to do the right things mm. to avoid it, just to avoid this fatigue, because I, it would be nice to go back to the age that I actually am. Well, let me I encourage
0: feel. you. You don't look 10 years older. Oh, well, thank you. No. <laughs> I'll, 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 I feel
2: that way, but... The che- yeah. the check's in the mail, Graeme. Right. Ah. <laughs>
0: Actually, I had a bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment to say something like, it's appropriate that we talk about COVID because it's a gamble whether we all get it or not. Uh, And
2: and I think it's a gamble as well in terms of how it's going to affect you. Yes. Because nobody is going to know until they get it. There's a lot of similarities between the people in my family Mm -hmm. that got it, but there are also differences as well. and. Mm. I don't think anyone really knows how they're going to react until they get it. But my one piece of advice would be they give you seven days of isolation, don't do anything. Yes. Do nothing. Do nothing, yeah. Literally, even if you start to feel better towards the end, don't. Mm. They give you seven days for a reason, and you can take up to ten. And if you think you need that, like my mum took ten, take ten. And just rest because... I basically did nothing for about 10 days and, and I've still got this fatigue. Mm. So if I had tried to do something within those 10 days, I think it would be a lot worse. So if I can give you one piece of advice, take the time they give you and catch up on Netflix or whatever you've got because I think it's quite, um, it's quite important.
0: Good. Thank you that, Josh. Mm. So what's on our topics today?
1: Alright, well, we've got one New Zealand topic, which is the Ruapehu District Council um, situation with a sinking lid, and then some offshore articles that Josh will be largely talking about. Oh, and r- something on crypto. Right.
0: Ruth District Council, my home area.
1: Yeah, I knew you would warm to this, Graham. Yes. Well, they've, they, we talked about this several times back when it was all about to happen and they were all for the sinking lid. But um, the vote was split, exactly five against five. And the mayor had to cast his vote. And he had the casting vote. Um, and he went for the existing status quo, right. which was to keep their present regime and throw out the sinking lid, which i th- i th- thought oh I'd better be balanced about this. There was probably a very compelling reason when I read it all um i my hunch is that it's the split. Is reflective of the community. It surveys sort of north south divide. By the sound of it, mm-hmm. Graham, having knowing a bit more of the inside view, you can probably comment on that. But I just found it very intriguing. thinking, "Well, um, this has been the outcome. Uh, the mayor must have really had to consider it very carefully. What well, well, a horrible place to be put in! Him. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, that's I've always believed in." in consensus, is the more effective way of a government. But when you've got a 50-50 split, mm. um, that makes it really difficult because no matter what way the person votes, 50% of the people are against them. It's a no-win situation.
1: Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in reading the content, there were some justifications that I found hard to take. The main one, or well, one of them being, well look, this is where we're at the moment. If you take this out, you take the revenue out of the community that affects businesses and so on. And problem gamblers, if they were better catered for it, it wouldn't be an issue anyway. And I thought, um, there's some missing of the point there. The fact is, you, you have more machines, you'll have more people gambling. It's very simple. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a tricky that one that wasn't
1: the only other. I mean there were arguments yeah. on both sides and some of them were dare I say it, quite compelling both ways but I'm here about reducing gambling harm not promoting it so <laughs> have they set a date to review or is this this is it for another three years another three years I three years before mm. the next review um, as I say Mayor had the casting vote Um and the obviously business people were concerned, um, but the north south divide was something that came out very strongly. Right. Um if people go out socially, um there aren't that many options for them apart from pubs with and That was one of the things that came
2: up. Right. Not what else to say about it, I just think it's sad. Mm. Um but I think it's a shame that obviously these pubs still they 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 think that the that the revenue from the pokies is is the be all and end all, isn't it? There obviously isn't enough money for them, and you know, with just a few mates going in and having a few beers, right? They, they, they're still obviously hugely reliant on the rental of the machines, or else they they would just be inclined to say, well, the establishment is here, we sell food and we sell alcohol. And that'll do, but there's machines are obviously still vital to their to their income, and this, well, we've talked about this before. It, it's a double edged sword that a lot of these places have let themselves become reliant on these machines. Right, right. they haven't always been. I mean, you, you, it's your area. Mm. I mean, I, I'm sure you didn't grow up with pokey machines in, in the area, did you? They didn't exist. But, oh. At all, and there I assume there was a pub where people on a Friday might might have a couple of beers. There are
0: some interesting changes that you need to put alongside it, though. Um, let's take Tammany, which is yeah, my hometown, there right? right? Specifically, when I grew up there as a boy, thriving town, seven and a half to eight thousand people, um, railway workers, teachers, electrical workers, forestry mm, workers, mm. egg <clears> and fish, um, major hospital, etc with the change in government policy mm. around a lot of the government departments and the way they uh, the, that they staff them small towns like Tamarinoe Taihape is the same they've been stripped of all those people so mm. now it's about 3000 people mm. so the potential cash flow out of the population has reduced significantly so take a pub that and I'm just inventing figures here, they were earning a nice little income based on a 7,000 population. All of a sudden, they're down to 3,000, um, taking out, out children and youth. My well, youth shouldn't be in pubs anyway. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden, their, their target market is, is really shrunk. And so a lot of these small towns are now having to rethink and reinvent themselves. I mm. think, Josh, that's where your point comes in. They've, they've made themselves reliant on yeah. the pokey machines instead of trying to rethink different avenues. Um, yeah, and I and, think
2: yeah. that's that's quite obvious in a sense like this because I think they've looked at, OK, we don't have the population anymore, so there isn't, as many people coming in and buying food and alcohol but if there's a core group of people who like to play these machines you know it's a nice little it's subsidy it's a nice little subsidy yeah. and i think i think it's a shame mm. but i think that's a reality of it and they've it's become so ingrained and sort of institutionalized almost in a way that that's where they're at and i think it's probably another nail in the coffin of, of the New Zealand pub mm. where people have a, have a meal and have a few drinks and socialise. Mm. They don't do that. They walk straight into a machine and start firing off $20 yeah. notes into it. So which...
0: Take the um, o- Ophongo pub, lovely little pub. Yeah. It, it closed. It's now a backpackers or something like that. But what got them was the change in drinking laws. Right. So guys didn't finish work and and go to the pub because if they did, they got stung for drunk driving. So their base mm. shrunk, not only because of the town shrinking, but a change Double in... In, in drinking laws, which needed to happen. Mm. You know, mm. I'm not advocating drunk driving no. at all. So you push that out across all the other small pubs scattered through the king country. We're not talking about a big population mm. base here. Mm. And I guess they, they're grasping at straws. Unfortunately, the straw they're grasping is a poisoned one.
2: Yeah,
1: mm. There's a, And I'll read direct from this. The, the Ta'ma'wanui Council Chamber's Ohura Ward Councillor Lynn Neeson said the northern town of Ta'ma'wanui could not afford to lose the social and recreational benefits that gaming machines provided. Um, I know that's just one person, but you know, I think it highlights to me how polarised yes. the council were. But as I said to Josh, they would have been representing the the parts within the area yep. that they represent and that's the view that's come out. Yeah. Um, there's another thing down here which I was sort of cringed when I read this. Gaming machines provide ability for time out, to socialise, forget, relax. One member of our local community said there's nothing else to do in town and if we want to have a flutter, we should be able to. Well, yeah, fair enough. But um it's that the numbers thing. Surely they don't need um to expand. But under the the existing situation it leaves um that possibility open. But in three years time I guess they'll have a review. Yeah. And who knows what will happen then. But yeah, it's um it's sad because many councils throughout New Zealand have opted for sinking lid and it's um a really good thing, I think.
0: Yeah, but, um, because it's all about harm management. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I don't see playing gaming machines or pokey machines as overly social. It's <laughs> exactly. Not. I really yeah. don't. Um, no. I'm sorry.
1: A, a few people maybe, but really stats tell us that most people who play pokey machines at any one time often go on to play them harder, more, and yeah. lose more. It's, so a, it's a
2: solitary thing for most people. Even
1: the recreational ones. Mm. So anyway... It is what it is. And there we
2: go. Indeed. So, Josh, what have you got for us? There, there's there's a Mm. couple of articles here I've got. Um, We're going to start off with a UK article. And um, 888, all the eights, UK Limited. They run 888.com and 77 other websites. So methinks they're doing all right Mm. now they have been fined £9.4 million. Pounds. Ooh, so that's that, a serious number. So Oof, they yeah. must be doing all right if yeah. they could be fined yeah. that much, and they paid it by the Gambling Commission. This is its second fine since 2017, when it was fined nearly £8 million for failing to block users who wanted to stop gambling. So Ooh. in layman's terms... If you want to exclude yourself from the website so you cannot play anymore, they have to make that clear and obvious, and they have to do their due diligence, easy for me to say, to try and stop the people from gambling, and they weren't. So this time what they were doing is basically they were failing to check whether gamblers could afford to deposit the money that they were depositing. Once you get to a certain level of money being turned over, they have an obligation to find out where it's coming from. Right. That is to stop unlawful stuff. Mm -hmm. It's to stop people. Like, in essence, if I'm betting, you know, $3,000 a week, and my income is fifteen hundred dollars a week. They should then that should be a red flag. Right. Where right. am I getting the money from, or B? What am I draining to get the money from? Yes, indeed. But indeed. Th- they weren't doing that. And there's a um there's a sort of a an article about one of the people that were involved in it, and and the gambler lost thirty seven thousand pounds in six weeks before the firm contacted him and asked him where the money was coming from. Um, Basically, they were sending out emails, sort of plain lip service to, to, to to try to find out where it came from. But if you didn't reply to the email, they weren't chasing you up. Right. So... There's another thing in here about another gambler who was given a monthly deposit cap of thirteen hundred pounds, which basically means once you've deposited your thirteen hundred pounds, you shouldn't be allowed to deposit any more. It's a responsible gambling tool, and I personally think it's a good one Hmm. because you are setting yourself a limit, and the website cannot stop you from should then stop you from depositing more money. But the the firm was aware. that this $1,300 this guy was allowed to deposit was 90% of his monthly salary. Ooh! And they let him do it. It's immoral, isn't it? Mm. It's very. So I I thought that was quite interesting, and it it just sort of goes along with a lot of articles we've talked about on the show before, and, you know, I don't really want to get in, stand here or sit here and be all moralistic, but it's... It's it's shady, isn't it? It is you know? indeed, yeah. These, you look at this company, they run this website and 70 others, they will be making a lot of money. And mm. to me with that comes a level of responsibility and a big level of responsibility to try and reduce gambling harm. Mm. And these guys clearly weren't doing it and have paid the cost. And it is a massive fine, but... Uh, you know, we could probably Google now how much these guys make it's in a, a year. A in and it's a drop in the bucket. Indeed, yeah. indeed, yeah.
0: Yep. So anything happening in the Australian um, yeah. scene? Yeah,
2: Any, anyone who's a semi-regular listener to this show will know about... Um, Crown because it's been a staple of this show probably for the last year but you need not worry I'm not going to talk (laughs) about Crown I'm going to talk about it's Sydney um, equivalent Uh or counterpart which is Mm. called Star Casino and there's a similar inquiry going on in terms of their behaviour as what Crown had similar accusations money laundering junket based Things which basically means that they're going to China and recruiting big gamblers and bringing them to Australia, which in all this is illegal, you can't do it, but they obviously all do because they keep getting found out. Right. So, I mean, I'm not again, I'm not saying they all do, but it does like they do because yeah. every time we read about it, um. So basically, there was a bit of an expose done on them, a bit of an undercover sting, and there was CCTV footage of um, staff in a Macau-based sort of junket office um, accepting paper bags full of $50 notes and um, there's there being no... No money trail, no questions about where the money's come yeah. from. Right. Hand it over in a paper bag, put it in a suitcase, take it back to Australia. And this is not the first time this has gone on.
0: Well, that's illegal for a start. Yeah, it's legal for a transporting vast start. Yeah, yeah. sums of money across the border. Yeah, um, yeah, watch the border security programs yeah, on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's an ongoing investigation? It's an ongoing investigation. I mean it goes on to say that um there was a guy who was involved in running the Chinese part of their operation who informed the casino that he was shutting down his high roller his high roller saloon they call it <laughs> at the Star Casino which catered specifically for the Chinese gamblers but then it goes on to say that the following month, the junket operator moved from one room known as Saloon Ninety Five to another room and carried on. And they called this room Saloon Ninety Sorry, they called this room Saloon Eighty Two, but it had no signage or anything. But apparently, it was continuing going on. An internal investigation by the staff found that they were storing large amounts of cash in sports bags on a balcony off its gaming room and staff were frequently exchanging casino chips for cash. As part of the junket arrangement, the Chinese organisation were prohibited from exchanging any cash for chips and retaining cash from players at the service desk. The inquiry yesterday heard junkets were extremely lucrative for Star Entertainment, represented twelve percent of overall gross revenue in the 2019 financial year. So it's again you you, you don't want to preempt anything, but it, it seems to me a very similar process to what Crown right. Crown were doing mm. from what I'm reading there. And if you look at the 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 button You know, the basic thing, um, casinos have a reputation for money laundering and there's meant to have been a heck of a lot done to try and lessen, you know, basically they, they, they should be asking where the money's coming from, but if you're telling me that... They're accepting um, paper bags full of $50 notes. I'm, I, again, I don't, I don't like putting words in people's mouth, but I'm not sure there's really a lot of um, asking going on about where that money's coming no, from. No, just
0: good for business. Yeah. And the last one you had was Victorian Lotto
2: have uh, increased the odds. Yeah, I thought this was quite interesting. So, I mean, I think we've all. We've all probably dabbled in lotto oh, at some point mm. over the years, and I think we've discussed on this program before. In essence, it's probably at the lower end of gambling harm. There's just too much time. You buy your ticket on the Wednesday. You've got to wait till the numbers are drawn on the Saturday. It's just there's it. It's no continuity. Mm. But that's not to say there isn't issues with it. But we we say it's low, but. The Victorian Government has amended the Public Lottery Licence to introduce two extra balls for Oslotto, which currently has participants select seven choices from 45 numbers with two supplementary numbers drawn, so I assume they must be like our bonus. Right. The matrix will be changed, so participants select from 47 numbers and three supplementary numbers will be drawn, which means there will now be ten numbers drawn out of 47. So basically what this has done is changed the odds from astronomical at 45.3 million to highly astronomical at 70.8 million. Right. To
1: one.
2: To one. To one, to one. one. yes. Oslotter lotto entrance in all states and territories will be affected given the game is licensed in Victoria. The government said the changes mean there will be more chances of winning, not less, given the increase in likelihood of large jackpots. Can I run that past me again? Yeah, I, I just read that, and then I had to take a double take on this. The government said the changes mean there will be more chances of winning, not less, given the increase in likelihood of large jackpots. Does that make any sense to you? No, it doesn't, actually. No. How can there be more chance of winning if you have two more balls? That's right.
0: If, you, if you've got two more balls course, if I remember my statistics and probability, um, you multiply each number descending down to get your chances of winning. Yeah. So if you've got two extra balls to um, to to score on, how does that – no, I, I just don't get it. I'm no, sorry. I, I
2: just – I'm sorry, I can't. By adding extra numbers to the lottery, the government is ensuring that it's harder to win. or well, Exactly, yeah. which means it's going to jackpot more and bigger jackpots lead to bigger ticket sales, wow. Which, wow. Which, kind of, which kind of says, and it's true, you look at the statistics on Lotto New Zealand, when it's $2 million, which which look, that's a lot of money I'd like to win $2 oh, million, indeed. but when you have the comparison to about $40 that the, the difference in sales is yes. astronomical is absolutely astronomical. Unfortunately, if you look at the the gambling har- harm side of it, the the more money that that is up for grabs, you know, statistics mm. tell us that people are going to spend more and mm. you know more than they can afford. Yeah. And that's yeah. The, that's the, that's the probably other side of it that this, oh. That I'm thinking
1: about mathematically, what, our odds for Lotto is, is it 1 to 4.5 million, I think? That's
2: for Lotto, but yeah. if you go to the Powerball, it, it's around 1 in 40 million, I think. All
1: right. So looking at it visually, so we used to depict this with grains of rice, and simply with 1 in 4.5, you're yeah. looking at something like a 44 or a 200 litre drum filled with rice one little rice grain. Right. So multiply that out by about 40, I think need not say anything more. It's Indeed. a massive volume of rice to go through to find the winning grain.
2: Right. Interesting. At the Alliance for the Gambling Reform in Victoria, says the decision to increase the numbers in play is nothing more than a cynical attempt to increase profits from gambling Mm -hmm. tax revenue. Since the onset of the pandemic, we've seen lotto participation skyrocket, yet instead of taking a harm reduction approach, we've seen the Victorian government do the exact opposite. He said the exposure to products like lotto and kino normalises gambling and increases the harm felt by many of the most vulnerable people in the community. And, And I think... That kind of goes to what we're saying about the increase in gambling through this pandemic, which I think we all agree Mm -hmm. has Mm -hmm. has gone through the roof. So, Mm -hmm. you know, again, you can be cynical and say, well, it it is probably nothing more than a tax grab because they know that if the prize is going to jackpot more frequency because there's less chance of winning it, more people are going to buy tickets and they're going to be paying out at less frequency they're going to be paying out probably the same amount because it's just going to get bigger and bigger, but they're going to certainly be paying out less frequent, so there probably will be less... I I'm, still can't work out what that guy was saying where he said there's more chance of winning.
0: I might get my mathematician daughter to actually explain yeah, that to me. Yeah, that we will yeah.
2: We can report back on mm. that. So
0: Andrew, you've got two minutes to tell us about yeah. cryptocurrency. Well,
1: the article I want to read I couldn't get because of the paywall, but in short, I my concern is that Cryptocurrency, on one hand, gets a lot of active promotion from some prominent people, even in New Zealand, who will claim to have made big money out of it by investing. Mm. So that's fine. There's probably some truth in that. But the, the hard part is that other impressionable people hear the word cryptocurrency and think, oh yeah, there's money to be made. And I think the confusion there when it comes to gambling is that It has that already established reputation as being a good earner of um, extra money and and a very lucrative way of doing it. Translate that into a gambling context, um, it's very easy to use cryptocurrency for gambling, especially online. Um, And there's probably very good smart marketing that goes behind that. My fear is with that ease comes the ease of loss as well. So very simply put, without having read the article, I'm very keen to find out more because there are concerns about... The article was about the the impact on youth and the ability of youth to access it using crypto. Um, And there's probably a lot of excitement about that. Mm. The darker side of it is is the
0: the harm. I tried to... um it too, mm-hmm. and I was quite surprised at the number of articles that came up, English-based, Britain, yep. um, with people losing significant sums of money mm-hmm. through cryptocurrency and gambling. So why do we make?
1: Well, we'll, we will dedicate some yeah, serious next time to research yep. and bring it to the next one because I find it fascinating. And um this is the future. Well it's now, it's not just Indeed. the future. <laughs> Indeed.
0: Well guys, we've run out of time, so Andrew, if somebody wants to get hold of you to talk about gambling harm.
1: Yep. Well, to be with it's all free. The help for gamblers and those impacted directly or indirectly by it. The number to call, O eight hundred six, six, four, two six, two.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to Let's Talk Gambling, programme on behalf of PGF Services with Andrew Brown. Josh, and myself, Graham. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers.
2: This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.